Welcome to Honest Retail, the weekly podcast that dishes out the truth about the latest news, trends, and blunders from the CPG, consumer, and retail industries. Now, here are your hosts, Cameron McCarthy, Taylor Foxman, and Carlton Fowler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 36 of Honest Retail. Uh, I feel like I need like training wheels on because it's been a little while uh, since we published our last episode. I think our last episode was on 10-4. Uh, it's been a little bit uh, of a busy month for all three of us. Uh, we are committing to weekly episodes moving forward. Uh, so we, we did want to say that from the outright, but it's good to be back uh, with the OG3. So it's good, it's good to see Taylor. It's good to see CJ. Um, how have you both been doing? Um, Taylor, start with you. Busy. I'm tired. I, I've been trying to do this whole early morning. I don't know if anyone follows anything I do, but I've been actively trying to be a morning person. I stopped drinking virtually 99% and thought that I would just like rise with the sun. It has not happened. So still open to tips there. Yeah, you were um, like, you like wanted tips. And then I think like me and like uh, BevNet Mike were just like, just wake up earlier and do it. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Yeah, you, you guys were the worst. You were the worst. <laughs> I did. I, I ended up meeting a Twitter friend who writes for the New York Post. This is a real story. He saw that I wrote that. And then I was trying that whole cold shower in the morning thing and took me to a Russian bathhouse. <laughs> I swear, swear to God, a Russian bathhouse in financial district. I've never worn a bathing suit in my life. Like I don't own bathing suits. And he was like, I read your tweet. I think you need to do a cold, one of those cold baths in the Russian bathhouse things. So following this whole morning routine conversation, the New York Post team took me to a bathhouse. I put on a bathing suit, never put on a bathing suit, nor have I met this person other than on Twitter and went into a steam room and then did a cold bath. All of this in an attempt to become more of a morning person, but long-winded answers to say I'm good, I'm tired, and I'm still on my quest to become more of a morning person. There, there is a spot in San Francisco called like the Archimedes Banya. And <laughs> it, like, it's like they've slapped every culture's like like bathing traditions together like in a single building and like and then they put it like deep deep in like the roughest neighborhood in San Francisco so it's like it, it is a trip, but it, like there there are Korean vests there are Russian vests there are Turkish vests there's Finnish sauna like you can get like beat up with like birch branches I love it you, I, like I, I keep on trying to like do deals there like like Eastern Promises style but like no one wants to go just sit in a steam room with me and do deals be pretty intimidating. I've, I've never, sure. I've never, I, I've never met this person. So, like the fact that I'm meeting this person who I met on Twitter who could potentially killed me, yeah, fair, and then fair. asked me to bring a bathing suit and flip flops, <laughs> asked me to be a bathing suit flip flops. The whole thing was so out of. You guys know me. This was so out of my comfort zone, but it was cool. I mean, would I do that every day? No, but I did. CJ, if you try to do the deals at this one downtown in Friday. I'm telling you, there were many men that were in towels and there's a, there's, there's a bar and a restaurant in there. Yeah. So as disgusting as that sounds. So like, as you're like naked or in your bathing suit and it's like wet and gross and there's like hair on the floor, you can like order a, sorry, it's so not my style, but you could order like a beer and you could talk shop CJ. So you could yeah. bring them there and try to close deals in the bathhouse. I love it. I mean, I mean, I, f I feel like it's just asking to get canceled, but I also love it. <laughs> 
it's not a very, yeah, it's not a very opening uh, environment that you're providing for all founders if that's uh, if that's the route you're going maybe, for sure. Maybe we, maybe I can provide like unisex, <laughs> you know, mumus. Like we can like just like it's you know like you know it's, it's, you're taking a steam, but we're all you know we've got like full you know full full length clothing on everything. Yeah, it only took us four minutes to get off the rails, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna rein it back in here. Uh, CJ, how have you been? You've been uh, traveling a lot, right? Yeah, I've been traveling. Um, it's um, you know we're we're doing some some fundraising right now, and what's been amazing, like one of the one of the coolest parts of my job is just having like pretty unfettered access to like some of like people that that like I view as like titans and, and masters of the universe. It's like average person wouldn't know their name, but you get to like sit down and ask them. So, how are you deploying capital for the next eighteen months? Um, and it's wonderful to be able to learn from them. And it's terrifying that they don't all necessarily agree, because <laughs> you're just like, hmm, well, uh, not everybody can be right. Uh, so, I guess I guess we'll see. Um, and, what's the uh, uh, what's the sentiment right now? I mean, the sentiment goes, you know, in, in, in anywhere from I think I think that we're going to get a lot worse to this is kind of as bad as it's going to get to, you know, specifically for for the you know the private investment world, like, you know, a lot of pointing out that there's kind of this wall of money that did go into, you know, we'll call it private equity in general, VC being a, a subsection of private equity and. It could very well be that this is, you know, that's gonna that's gonna start to get really itchy that capital, you know, m you know, mid twenty twenty three. So I think I think with like with anything, you know, the the more you can just control your emotions and say I don't I don't need to chase deals, but I also am not afraid to make deals. Um, the, the the better you'll you'll be as an investor through this and and as a founder, just saying like hey have urgency, but understand that that there's capital pent up. And if you don't get it done right now, doesn't mean you might not get it done a couple months from now. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously go into brands that have caught our eye recently, but like one of the things like I've, I mean, like we've had a lot of conversations with brands post Expo East and it just seems like everyone is raising. <laughs> so it's like, it, it seems like there's a lot of people going after capital and it, it looks like there might be still a lot of capital on the sideline um right now but are you are you still like getting a ton of brands reaching out to you and are you seeing kind of deal flow pick up right now because like i would assume it is just based on the conversations i'm having yeah um i, I mean I, I a lot of folks brought in money in late 2021 early 2022 and like like and th this is one of the things that kind of breaks my heart and you know slash is like remember how much luck plays into everything like if you if you brought in money then like you look like a genius like I, I you know there were there there are companies that I've heard ever been involved with where their you know their their cap table was angry at the founders for bringing in money in early 2022 and 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 they're not singing that tune anymore um, and on and on the flip side people who you know tried to stretch it and were trying to be really good stewards of capital and only raising when they when they needed to are now being pushed into this environment so everybody's everybody's interested in bringing in money and i mean this is going to get really technical but what i what i'm really worried about is that like similar to march 2020 everybody also tapped their entire revolver like you know you know, you know slightly more established startups even other stuff they, they, they all have some form of credit line 
Um, and if everybody in the world taps their whole credit line and that, and that makes banks do a big pullback, like that could exacerbate the situation. Um, but it becomes kind of like a tragedy of the common situation where you're not going to get everybody to stop pulling down on their credit lines individually because you can't be the one where, that, who doesn't have the credit line anymore when the music stops. But that's, that's something I'm seeing out there that's pretty scary. Yeah, I, I was reading like it, it was just basically saying like the sentiment is like if you can if you can hold off and like try to raise like Q1, Q2 next year, there's probably like a lot more capital to be deployed. But, you know, from some of the conversations I'm having, it, it, it seems a little bit more desperate and like that there is a that time, you know, so I, it's, it's I, scary. I was going to say the same thing. I feel like um, Cam, I was literally just going to comment. It feels like everyone and it's so interesting because all three of us have different like roles within all this, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like we all contribute different parts of it, but I, I feel literally the same. Everyone asks me all the time, like, how are things going? I'm like, good, but it just feels like very, in some ways, very urgent and very dire for a lot of these companies, which at the end of the day, like, you know, I don't think every single brand that's on the shelf or online is going to survive per se, um, come the early new year, but it feels like every single, I agree. It feels like every single brand that I know, regardless of the growth phase or what they're doing, everyone's looking for money and some to your point, you know, need it more immediately than others. So it's, it's hard. At times, you, know? I, you know, the, the, the one thing that's really struck me as interesting, like in this space and, you know, you know, Cam, you're, you're, you're kind of in the tech space too. So I think it, I think it affects you maybe a little bit less, although I know you really hustled to get your, to get your round done is that like all the tourist money is gone, right? Anybody who was like, thought they were you know they're, they're a tech investor and they thought that they could make it work in, in 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 consumer isn't deploying anymore at all in that space and like more than anything like there is no longer like and i'm using air quotes you guys just can't see it there's no more money for milestones right like you know for the last three years you could you could raise like you know maybe two seed rounds and even a series a on like cool here's my velocity in a, in a couple of regions in Whole Foods. And then, you know, you know, now I've brought on a couple, you know, brokers, distributors, like, like that early money has really dried up. Um, whereas I think in more classic BC, the early money almost never dries up as much because it's the growth rounds that can dry up because like the, the outcomes are so uncapped, you know, long-term and, in, in, in more clear tech, especially in the SaaS space. So like, that's like, you know, people, people who, felt like they were left behind during the last three years because they've always been like hey i never pay more than like five times trailing and if it's a food product like i don't like to pay more than three like they felt like they got left behind and now the whole system's coming back to them um and i and i think that's probably smart and it just makes me admire those really really convicted and and, and restrained investors more yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing like the issues, especially like a lot of the people that we went through like tech stars with and stuff like they raised last year or even like the year prior, like on pretty high valuations, right? Like, you know, doing under 500K in revenue and, and raising it, you know, 20 posts. And, and it's like now it's time to go raise again. And, you know, that that valuation's not out there. So, you know, down rounds and bridge rounds and just kind of creatively positioning it, it's it's definitely, you know, tough out there for them. And I think like, too, like you have to be pretty receptive to what valuations are right now as founders. Like if you do want to get it done in a, in a quick time, for sure. Yeah. 
Awesome. Um, well, a little, a little off course there, but I think still a good point of conversation. Um, oh, before we go into brands, uh, CJ, what was, what was your thoughts on, um, on the liquid death raise? We, we covered it with Eli and Taylor last yeah. episode, but what was your quick thoughts on that? Well, I, I'd say two, two things. And like, I have to be careful because I've, I've got friends who, who, who work and know there. So I, I, I don't want to disclose anything, but I was like, it was, the PR on a raise like that can go one of two ways. Like this is crazy expensive. Cause it, I mean, I mean uh, like, and again, yeah, they've come down in valuation, but they're still very, very fully valued or it can go the way that it did, which was like amazing for them, which is like, it's almost like it clicked for another like 20 or 30% of the population where instead of like a bashing article saying it's just water, like it was a positive article saying it's just water. Like, get it? It's just water. Can you believe how well this is working? And like when I when I look at that, like there's there's a lot of people that kind of love to make hay lobbing rocks at the at the leaders and the people who are growing fast and doing a lot of really interesting things. And and I think Liquid Death gets more than its fair share of that. But like you cannot deny that that round filled quick in a really tough time. And on a top line basis, they are doing some of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Um, I think I think every company has its challenges, and they have some challenges to overcome. And I think they've got a great team, and they've got a you know a likelihood to do it. But when you have a when you have like a consumer zeitgeist moment, the way they did as a function of that raise, like that's when you start to say, oh my god, like are we looking at like a multi billion dollar water company? Um, and I, that might be the case here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I was bummed I didn't um, I didn't shell out like the sixty five dollars for the Martha Stewart Liquid Death candle uh, <laughs> that launched two weeks ago, but uh, I was really jealous of everyone posting about it on uh, on Twitter. So I'm excited to see what they come out with um, in the future, and definitely excited to to continue to follow them. And I see they're now getting into iced tea, which will be pretty cool. Um, Taylor, what what uh what brands? Uh, me and Taylor were joking before the before we started recording because we're doing a pitch competition uh, on Friday, and so I've been sending they've been sending her a bunch of brands for the pitch competition, and they're very functional and, and emerging, and not necessarily uh, like uh, in the zeitgeist of what what Taylor would usually be pulling for at the grocery store. But uh, Taylor, what brands kind of caught your eye uh, <laughs> over the last week? Um, I have a. I have a brand and I want to know what you two think about the general category. Um, there's a company called Body. It was started by a girl I know named Jilly Hendricks. Um, she, I believe she was like big in like the influencer scene. She, I believe she's like a DJ or knows DJs. I don't know. Anyway, it's, um, it's getting a lot of press. She's doing really well with it. It's, um, it's a low ABV vodka. And I've been seeing and I've been getting a lot of products around this low ABV category um kate dingwall who's a friend of mine who writes for forbes magazine did a story yesterday around this in particular so i thought it was also timely just to bring it up um i'm i'm on the fence around the category i i like the idea of it i guess i'm just in this you know all or nothing where i went from having alcohol in my life for what i've been doing 13 years to I really drink now at this point, maybe one day a week max. And if that, um, so I've scaled back since we even started the pod, like 90%, honestly, on my drinking, right? Um, I, I get the theory of it. It's like, you know, lower proof, you can drink more of them or feel less, you know, intoxicated. 
I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm still not hundred percent sold on the category. I feel like either I don't want to drink or I want to drink and I, I don't see it like on a day-to-day fitting into personally my habits, but I guess I could see the appetite for it. So body is the company is started by Jilly Hendricks. It's out there. I, I like what she's doing. I like her. Uh, I guess I'm just curious for you two about that whole like low ABV product line that's coming out. Have you tried anything in um, this and what do you think about it? I mean, I, I, low ABV in general, I am very high on like the, like the Kim Crawford, like 7% Savion Blanc is doing really well. And like, I get that. Like, Hey, you, you know, I, personally in vibe quite a bit as as both just my general personality and a function of my business but like I can see a situation where you don't you know you don't want to have just one glass of wine but you don't want to have three glasses of wine if you know what I mean um so I'm all for low ABV I consistently get flabbergasted by low ABV vodka and like like when 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 like kettle one came out with its botanicals and they're like oh but it's 60 proof I was like yeah so is like so is putting vodka into a glass of ice and letting it sit for a minute. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm confused by that, and I'd I'd love to understand like what what I'm missing on a consumer insight basis for low ABV vodka. Um, low ABV beer, I get it. Low ABV wine, I definitely get it. Um, you, you know, orienting yourself towards cocktails that aren't that you know aren't like Manhattans, I, I can get that too. But it, it's a little bit more. Kind of difficult from an occasion like consumer motivation thing for me but low abv spirits when when literally all that's happening to make it low abv is adding water water yeah i'm yeah. i'm i'm confused now, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative i'm just saying like i'm confused someone educate me on what the consumer need state is that's why i'm bringing that's why i'm bringing it up i'm not sure i, I i'm also trying to figure it out so yeah, yeah i agree yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it seems like it has a really strong following. The the, the branding is is killer for sure, um, and like vodka is still like I believe right by far and away like the most popular spirit in 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 the country. So, I would assume that like finding a middle ground um, in between like a zero proof vodka and like what you're you're you've been going for in the past is probably a win win. Um, a lot of times with things like this, it's just like, I always think about like, how big does it get? Like, this is a brand that I think like, oh, there's a really clear pathway to like five, 10 million, but like, then how do you start breaking through where like you're selling like multiple cases at a BevMo or like, you know, um, you know, more kind of like mass retail, um, which, but it seems like right now they're really resonating with like who the key early adopters are. I'm just like over the past few months, like I've been more fascinated and kind of like, how do you cross that chasm past the early adopters into like the everyday buyers for this um so i'd be kind of like interested to see how that transition goes for sure yeah we could, i mean like not the least of which because like the the average need state for the in consumer of vodka is inebriation right <laughs> yeah it's i don't it's i guess that that's part of it too and, and it's all it's just like you know i'm so i'm still off of the like I'm so reeling from like house. Right. And it's like, that was like kind of that low ABV darling. And, you know, I obviously understand it was a different uh, value proposition and they were really trying to build a DTC business. Um, But yeah, it's um, I'm just not a consumer of it. Like I don't like vodka either way. 
Um, but I would be, it's obviously not really positioned for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the branding and everything looks super slick. Um, I'd be interested to see kind of like what the growth trajectory is going to be. We shall see. She's been leveraging. Um, she has a big, big, big following of, um, she, uh, she has a lot of these like tastemakers. So she works with like low Bosworth, I think from like the Hills and has a lot of, um, like kind of movers and shakers. I think we're all saying the same thing, like to, you know, from sampling events, getting in the hands of the right people, it seems to have, yeah, like a pretty notable and at least initial, you know, good engagement from just people that are interested in the product from consumers and also some influencers. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just, anyway, thought I'd yeah. mention a brand, but kind of talk about a bigger topic. Yeah, cool. no, the branding is awesome. I mean, it looks like it's straight off of like a snapshot newsletter. So it's definitely like on par with everything like we see coming out in the space um, for sure. But yeah, and also like the, they do a really good, nice job with like the creative, like creative in alcohol space always seems like repetitive, uh, but the creative images they have like on their site and on their social looks like pretty refreshing. CJ, how about you? Um, I've been, like I've been in a lot of airports and um like i can't believe how the selection is changing in airports like, have you tried this brand called bischoff they make a really good biscuit uh <laughs> that is <really laughs> finally <laughs> oh, finally yeah. you're speaking my language we're, we're, we're gonna get him on i recently met <laughs> the head of the corporate venture arm of lotus bakery who does no. No, CJ. His, yeah, his name is Wouder, and I love him. Like, I, I'm <laughs> Wouder. We gotta like, get him. We gotta yeah, get him. Please, please send me some cookies, bro. Um, and uh, he's like, he's he's a, he is a beauty, man. I, I really like him. He's he's a, a big investor in in good crisps. Like, so you know, clearly he's got great taste. Um, but we don't we don't need him to give you cookies. You can afford that. We need him to get on the show. Yeah, yeah, we, we'll, we'll get, I, I, I just want some cookies too. I, you know, just uh, come on, give me, give me a little. <laughs> cookie. Um, but uh, but back to airports. Um, I wish Biscoff cookies, but um, I just can't believe like like I mean I was in what was it, like I think it was Laguardia, like I felt like I was in a Bizarro zone. Like like the options for food were like Stroop waffles and Chomp, <laughs> and like, like three different. <laughs> kombuchas and and, and like uh, you know you know sanzo was there um and like and then i went to another one and like i think we've talked about this like the, those muddy bites like i'm just like the the hudson news is really stepping up its game um so as far as a product i i'm, I'm blanking on the actual brand name but I, do you guys know stroop waffles that like the those like they're, they're kind of like yeah um, we've uh, like we've we've worked with a few of the brands in the past. Like uh, I forget, like the lower sugar one right now is like uh, escaping my uh, ooh, head. But I would I would get involved in a lower sugar stroop waffle. But yeah, I bought the I bought the fully leaded kind, and they were mini stroop waffles. And I was like, this is life changing. Like I almost want to like turn this into a bowl of cereal. Yeah, rip rip fan. Um, yeah, rip like fan. A, yeah, yeah, they do like a low sugar one. Yeah, that's the. But one. how? But how? But how? Sorry to interject, but like. When thinking about strategy, this is not mine necessarily, mine day to day, as you know, but like, who thought like, oh, when people are exploring, like Sanzo, I get, M Muddy Bites, I remember last year, I purchased them in the airport just to talk about on a podcast. I guess I get it. But like, who thinks about from a buying perspective, yeah, so many consumers are going to walk through this Hudson books and really want a Stroop waffle. Like, maybe this is so far out of my realm of like expertise, but like, 
I, I like that they're like incorporating emerging brands and that's great and that's cool. But like, maybe you guys could shed light. I don't know why they would ever pick something like that. I don't know. Maybe I'm just off, but. I, 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 I'm like, this is wild. Like the, like the, like it's, it's almost like Hudson news poached the buyer from, from, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like, I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed uh, and I'm, I'm interested and I'm here for it. Yeah. Stro- Stroopwafels are really big in the running community too. Like, so there's a brand called the uh, honey stingers. And so they make like pouches that are simply like just like condensed honey with like a bunch of electrolytes that like you eat during your runs. But like their other product that they make is like Stroopwafels that you like eat during your runs too. They're like supposed to help fuel you. Like I have a 12 pack upstairs. Like I don't, I think it might just be like the fact that it's like a perfect like carrier package of like, of like what you need, which is just like sugar carbs and like. Incredibly good. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh yeah I I would say like uh yeah they're, they're very good. There's another <laughs> brand I know a lot of Stroopwafel brands for some reason, but yeah, Stroopwafels great. Of course stuff. you do, of course um, you do. But yeah, there's uh there there's a few other ones out there that I'll, I'll put in the the show notes for sure for any Stroop enthusiasts out there. Um, awesome. Uh, well, hopefully you find some other great brands on your journeys. Um, yeah. so for me, uh, so. We have had a few brands uh, send us a bunch of stuff for this pitch competition. One of the brands actually dropped out because uh, they had a they had a late conflict of time, but they did send out samples. Was Deloche, which I tried yesterday, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. D L O C E. They make like naturally yeah. caffeinated, um, yep. um, like yep. spiked beverages, so like an espresso martini, which I haven't had that before. Uh, I don't do well with alcohol and I don't do well with caffeine. So I can't imagine that that's going to be the skew for me, but lemonade, iced, <laughs> <laughs> the lemonade iced tea, uh, that got, I tried that, uh, last night and it was really good. Uh, it, I was surprised that like wine, um, kind of was the base for it, but I thought it was really good. I love the branding. Uh, like the font they use is kind of like, it's really hard for me to like, it looks like every cookbook my mom used to own, which is like kind of like, it feels like kind of like, uh, it's just like a cool retro vibe to everything. Um, but yeah, I, I like, really liked the product. I liked the branding. I was bummed that they, they had to drop out on Friday. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of what this brand's doing. Have you, have either of you tried it? Um, I, I've definitely tried the espresso martini, but it was one of its earliest manifestations. I think it was actually before. We talked about that, CJ. Yeah. yeah. It was before. Yeah, it was. yeah available and I, I think i'm told by many it's improved significantly um and james was telling me about the 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 lemonade product that came in the in the pitch competition so i'm interested in in what it tastes like i just haven't uh haven't interacted with it yet yeah it was yeah. it was very good yeah i used to um i've been involved with them like on and off for the past few years um not right now but i i like the team a lot and i agree about the formulation um I've tried the new version. I think it's much better than the pre-existing one. Um, I too was surprised that when I got that, I, I again, I'm not day-to-day with the team right now, but um, I still stay in touch with Sean and knew that they, they've made a lot of traction in terms of more like, you know, retail footprint across the country. I think they've had some really big wins. Um, I didn't know actually that they had launched this new product. I'm, I don't like love coffee. I like what it does for me. So I'm, I'm not the right consumer either way, even if it got better um, flavor wise. Uh, but in terms of the iced tea one, I don't know, it could go either way. You liked it. I haven't tried it yet. I, I do have it in my fridge though. Um, can you, you enjoyed that flavor? Cause I, it, I saw it. I was like, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, I was like a good Arnie Palmy, and it was uh, it was good with uh, Arnie Palmy. No, you've never <laughs> seen uh, you've never seen the uh, the other guys where he's like Arnie Palmy alert. Uh, all that's a get. I'll send the link to our text messages and you can check have, it out. I'm I'm looking, Cam, at three empty 25 ounce Arizona Arnold Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> CJ half. loves Arnold Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I live for Arnold Palmer. Yeah, no, it's good. And the wine was an interesting kind of like, uh, like you tasted a little bit at the end. It made me feel like bad for us, like ripping apart like wine seltzers a few episodes ago. Uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, and the other brand for me is, um, is Huron. It's like a men's uh, care brand. They do like, like face washes, face moisturizer, like deodorant, shampoo, and like it seems like every CPG guy on Twitter keeps talking about the brand. So uh, I ordered it. Uh, I really have enjoyed uh, the product so far, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about like upgrading my my morning and shower routine. So I'm uh, I feel like at a certain age, it's like why am I pamper, still pamper yourself, Kim? I, I wish I was better at beauty investing i mean i also wish i was more beautiful but i wish i was better at beauty investing because the margins are just phenomenal Uh, you know anybody out there who's listening and wants to teach me how to be a better beauty investor i i will give you all the free alcohol samples you can carry out of my office yeah the the big transition was the like uh because they have i was like oh like let's see if they have body wash and they don't they have like bar soap and i was like i guess i'll try that again but like i haven't used bar soap since i was like 10 so so, like that was like uh that was like a big difference of like uh now i guess i have to invest in like a soap tray too but it was uh like i'm trying it out and it's like yeah the products smell awesome the branding's super clean uh the guy's awesome um you know on twitter and and super active so yeah i'm a a rare non-food find um for me but uh i really uh i really enjoyed it um cool so we're like over halfway uh of the podcast and we haven't dived into any topics but i think that that kind of works because we've we haven't talked to each other for for two weeks now so it's good to kind of just touch base the first topic i wanted to talk about today was actually it's it's an it's old news i think this kind of broken over the summer um but there was like a twitter kind of conversation about like this concept of um kind of this marketing concept of um animal free dairy milk um and that that's kind of like a mouthful right when thinking about this brand called bored cow and like i kind of made the comment on twitter like i think that that's pretty difficult for a consumer to understand like okay, like, what am I actually drinking here, right? Like, is this milk? Is it not? How is it animal free? Like, what does that exactly mean? So I think there's like a lot of education um, that you have to, but like, they're really kind of pushing that forward. And I think, you know, we've talked about like lab grown meats and lab grown seafood and plant-based meats and like kind of all these marketing issues like that these brands have um, like really breaking into the masses and like getting consumers to pull it off the shelf. Um, But this product, uh, board cow uh, i think they're using perfect days technology which obviously is like a well-funded company and probably pretty well known in the space but it, it to me i think from what i read it's just kind of like a lab-grown whey product um but i just was i just wanted to bring it up because i you know i didn't know if it was just kind of me being stuck in, in my mentality about this like kind of framing of it but animal free dairy milk didn't make a ton of sense to me and I didn't think it was going to make a ton of sense to the consumer, but I was really open to being proven wrong. So uh, Taylor, let's start with you. Cause obviously I think um, I probably know where you fall on this, but I'm interested in kind of like, what was your thoughts on like 
the board cow brands like obviously the branding is is pretty slick but like do you think that this like has legs and like what kind of issues do you see like the everyday consumer having to get past to pull this off the shelf i i agree with the branding um i, I think the branding looks is beautiful i think it's cool kind of little like I don't know, retro, a little nostalgic. It, I don't know. It just looks like stuff from. It the looks 90s. like the cow like, from uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Like yeah, <laughs> that's that's exact. That was literally where my head was. I was trying to figure out what that cow looked like. Yeah, no, I think I think the packaging is spot on. I mean, at the end of the day, in terms of this, I mean, it, it, you know, me consuming something like this is so far away from anything that I would purchase. But I think they obviously have an audience. I think um, vegan free, animal free dairy milk. I mean. I don't know. I mean, I guess as people continue to to find like products within these, I would say like kind of subcategories that they like, like, I don't see why this couldn't work. I just don't see like on a broad scale perspective this taking off, but I, I'm assuming that they have a, they'll have a dedicated base. And I, I think it's an interesting product. I, again, I just don't see this for the masses. I think we're kind of talking in our own little ecosphere, but I love also, I went on the website. I think the website is actually one of the cooler, like most clean looking. I love the website. I love the yeah. branding. I love all of it. I think it's beautiful. So I think, I if, I think for me where like the hang up was, is like, if there's, if it's not for the masses, then who is it for? Because if it's like, it's kind of like when Beyond Meat was talking about like, yeah, this burger bleeds and it's like, okay, well, like, you know, three years ago, like that was, that's all you heard about. Like, this is the vegan burger that bleeds. And like, that was like kind of the big pushing point, which one, I don't think vegans or vegetarians who were already eating plant-based burgers like needed that concept, right? Like like the blood part of it probably turns them off, but that was probably what was going to get the masses in. Like, hey, this is like the beefiest non-beef burger that you can have. Yeah. And yeah. so like, I feel like it's kind of that play where like, this is the closest thing you can get towards milk that is not milk. But like, what it, like, I just find it so fascinating. Like, who is that consumer that is like, oh, like I've, like, I, I don't, I don't, I want to get away from milk, but I want the closest thing possible. And like almond milk or coconut milk or oat milk just hasn't done it for me. Um, CJ, kind of what, what's your thoughts on it? Obviously dairy is a huge freaking category, right? So it's like, this is a gigantic TAM. Um, so it might just be a case of like, Hey, if we, if we capture a fraction of a fraction of a percent, like we're a, we're a huge company. Well, I mean, there's like, there's a couple interesting ways to look at this. Like I, and I agree, the branding is slick. It's well done. Um, from a, from like a food science, like even like, you know, human palate science, like there is, there is something incredibly addictive, not the least of which, because it's one of like the most insulinic, um, you know, insulinic foods you can possibly eat. Like milk has a mouthfeel that like, not oat milk, not, you know, not almond milk, not, not any of those things can touch um and if 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 this recreates that like i'd love to try it like then you know th then i i could see like an opening for it because i mean you you have, you have an entire you know not, you know much less north american like worldwide consumer set that is, that that clearly likes the mouthfeel and taste and, and nutrition profile of, of milk so i can kind of see it um i you know, you know I, I, the folks who backed it are interesting like but you know i i had a you know, like a weird LinkedIn moment. Um, I was reading, like, I think it was Nate Cooper at Barrel Ventures. And he just put this article and he's like, yo, all of the crabs are gone. And like, and I was like, what? That's, crabs aren't gone. And like, no guys, like a billion crabs are missing. They're just gone. 
um and and yeah like snow crabs right yeah crab season is just canceled in alaska like we're gonna have to deploy some of the same like you know usda you know save savior mechanisms that like if a locust farm like a locust form hit hit you know the all the corn things and so i'm looking at that i'm saying like okay from an investor standpoint like is is what this all is is a giant call option on a clearly broken food ecosystem like and people have listened to the podcast like, like i'm not anti-climate i'm i'm supportive of of of, of a lot of stuff like that but i'm I, i'm not like on an esg drum like i just i'm not it's not my personality and it's not the way i invest but like that for some reason made it click for me in a very very different way from an investment thesis standpoint where you want to know the way that 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 you know you know fermented seafood becomes mainstream when there are no more crabs and you want to know like when when you know what what makes fermented milk work when when the alternative through either tax regimes or or or, or simple decimation of the supply when a, a normal glass of milk costs ten dollars um so i i it clicked a little bit more for me why these things are getting this funding and where they can go because they're they're not they're not for the consumer mindset of today they're call options on what might happen to our food system right but i think the pushback would be then why go that route with branding and consumer focus versus like hey we're gonna like make this like uh like super functional send it into areas that are having issues like with like getting actual milk to like their people and like going the route of like sell, selling this to, like governments or different things like that like you, you still i mean you still have to you still have to play the game the muscle right like like, yeah. like tesla still has to create an interesting consumer desirable like regardless of whether or not the you know the, the people behind the funding of that and, and and the management but you know have have a certain feeling of, of how the grid and how transportation is going to break out like you got to through you got to go through the motions yeah um and 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 revenue in is a good thing every every dollar of revenue in that works for even a small consumer subset is a, is a dollar that doesn't have to be invested. Um, so I, 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 I just, it's mainly just a reframing on, on risk and timeline and, and what this capital is actually trying to accomplish that kind of clicked in for me. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see. I'm definitely like rooting for them. I, you know, I think it's super interesting. I just like, um, I'm just intrigued by like how these brands like cross, like, like I said before, like the chasm into like the masses uh, like obviously the branding makes a ton of sense there, but I always thought from day one, like lab grown things or, you know, um, things that were getting further and further away from the natural source, but trying to replicate it. Like it's always more of a marketing issue than like product issue a lot of times. So um, it'll definitely seem, it'll be interesting to see how this, this resonates. Cause now you're not only are you having the uphill battle of building a brand, but you're also trying to educate a customer on what the product is. And that's, that's something that most you know like liquid death doesn't have to explain to you what water is right yeah. like no. they're they're fighting two battles at once and so uh it's just you gotta give it to them because that's that's difficult and hopefully they do accomplish that i i like i think i think we're in complete agreement kevin and and I've, I've always very much been on 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 that side saying hey we you know what you've done is you've created a consumer education and you know just a standard go-to-market problem that's doubly hard 
the, the only thing that's, that's clicked for me is like, oh, they might be waiting for the supply chain and the food system to basically make this. There's no choice for people but to eat this. Like there won't be a consumer education program with a problem when there's no other crabs to eat. <laughs> that is that is very true in <laughs> uh, a very scary event. Um, yeah, it, it terrified me. The crabs are gone, guys. The crabs are gone. This is gone. this should be leading the show. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was a small merger um, that happened last week that I thought we should cover, which is obviously the, the one between Kroger and Albertsons. Um, I think there was a lot of kind of thought pieces and, and threads on Twitter talking about like what this means for brands and for consumers. Um, you know, CJ, let's stick with you on this one. Like, what were your kind of thoughts when you saw the news break um, on this? I think. Um, kind of what I saw is like this will now represent 18% of the grocery landscape. So it's not, you know, it's not like some monopoly is now created, but there is obviously a lot of concentration now. Um, but I, I have my thoughts on it, but I'd love to hear yours first uh, on kind of what this merger means, both for consumers and then for the brands that listen to this show that are going to eventually try to get into these accounts. Yeah. I, I mean, like 18% A is a lot. But when I, I think when you think about how it breaks out in actuality and and things that are kind of defined as the the grocery space um, and and what consumers' actual choices are in some areas, like in some areas, this can be like a lot more than eighteen percent. Um, and that um, we'll see what the FTC ends up saying and how many stores they have to divest to get this done. Um, we, we have a, a current administration that I, I wouldn't say is, is exactly characterized as friendly towards large businesses with monopolistic tendencies. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if it gets done. Now, I, they've talked about this a long time before. I'm going to go ahead and assume they've had conversations with the FTC and, and move forward knowing it's going to go forward. Um, that's the large stuff. Like the small stuff, like this is, I mean... I, I don't see how this isn't like topic one, two, three, four, five for everybody to figure out for the, for the next two years. I mean, this is like, who, who's going to be the buyer? Like, like, you know, long-term relationships, like relationships that are company defining, um, on, you know, in, in these startups, as far as like, you know, authorizations they've got and, you know, you know, huge chunks of their revenue across this space, like, who who's now in charge across all these things like i don't know um i i i'm hoping to have some conversations down here in miami with some people that i would trust to know like if anyone's gonna know it's gonna be jim brennan um and I, i'm i'm i will report in next time what 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 i've learned but this is um this is fascinating and and i guess the last thing i'd say is like until I reminded myself just how big Walmart is in grocery and is becoming and just how much Target is trying to push into grocery, like I kind of, I, I, it made this make a lot more sense. Like this is a response to Walmart and you know, you know people made all this big deal about Amazon going to grocery. It, it hasn't been quite, quite as much as, as it seemed, but like this is a response to Walmart more than anything in my opinion of like, okay, Walmart is starting to really become a dominant player in this market. How do we keep up with them and keep up with them primarily on a pricing capability? Yeah, I, I think my first you know thought kind of went to the brands, right? Because like, I remember like selling into Whole Foods before the Amazon acquisition used to be like so fun, right? You'd go find the like, uh, 
you'd find the manager inside of the inside of the store and then you'd drop off some samples and create a relationship and they'd move it on to the buyer and like you'd get into that region or at least that a handful of stores like relatively quickly just through like a grassroots campaign and one whole foods inside of a region didn't look like the other whole foods inside of the region um and so it kind of like created a really nice competitive landscape and allowed the brands like a lot of freedom and autonomy to get into these stores i think like obviously through like the Amazon acquisition, like centralization of buying, um, you know, comes into play. And obviously like that's something that Kroger and Albertson's already doing across all their different banners. So I think this just gives less at bats for brands. And now, you know, you're getting a no, not only for now 10% of the grocery market, but 18% of the grocery market, if you get a no. Um, and so it just provides you less opportunity to like grow your retail footprint. Um, but, um, you know, at the same time, I think that it's probably a net win for the consumer in terms of like the, the prices that they'll be paying. Um, I saw a lot of people pushing back being like, you know, now if it's a monopoly, they can charge whatever they want. Like they are not going to, cause they're going to be competing with Walmart on price yeah. every single day. And so yeah. like, this is yeah. going to be a net win for the yeah, consumer. They're, they're doing this to keep up with Walmart. Right. 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 Yeah. So my, my fear is for the brands. Uh, I think it benefits the consumers. Um, and that's kind of just, you know, my uh, high level view on it. Taylor, what, what was your thoughts? I don't really have anything else to add. I think it's all really interesting. I agree. I think they're going after the big guys and I think it'll be good for consumers. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think it, I was, it's obviously such a big acquisition. There's um, I'm close with the, the retail team at Citibank and I was supposed to have dinner with them last night and they had to reschedule <laughs> yeah. due to the deal. Um, it may be cool to have them on. Uh, they sent through a huge case study actually last night around this. I'll send this to you, Cam and CJ about, they're like, hope you don't mind. We've been a bit busy. And I'm like, that's okay. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a super cool deal. Um, really interesting to see those two big companies coming together and opportunities for consumers and just, yeah, moving forward. And I think, yeah, it's a direct kind of, you know, not F you, but you know, at the Walmarts of the world for sure. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'll send this over now. You guys should take a look. It's a it's a cool case study. Kim, I, don't city bank, I don't know if you want to put it in the show notes, but the article that you decided to send out about this, like, was actually like, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I like doing the podcast so much. So appreciative of you always in the topics. Like that was the most interestingly specific article on this that like my mind didn't immediately go to wait a second you know what 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 is what is the you know what is the the media advertising business implications of this um but like you know as it pointed out amazon's got a 30 billion dollar advertising business and i think that part of this consolidation is a response to that that grocery as physical retail while you know while everybody has said gosh you know, all this online grocery shopping hasn't taken over. It's still, you know, you know, you know, 70, 75% physical space retail. That's true. But that ignores the fact that Amazon's taken that bit that has gone digital and created a $31 billion advertising business that is way higher margin than any grocery store. Yeah, um, there, there's been a lot of, lot of startups funded over the last six months basically like with the value proposition of we're going to be able to do what Walmart does like internally for themselves, but we're going to be able to like have a turnkey solution for any other retailer. So yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big value proposition kind of retail marketing, um, you know, back to their consumers for sure. 
Yeah. So I, I, I that that is like in our space, your space specifically. I, I, I think that this is going to be so interesting because, like, this is this is as much of a forced like panic is not the right word. And I'm not trying to convey that, but like, this is a this is a uh, uh, like I'm trying to put a floor on them. This is not them trying to like you know oh, this is going to unlock a bunch of growth like. Walmart's doing its thing and Amazon's doing its thing. And that was squeezing conventional grocery in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, as I say, every episode, it will be interesting to see. How yep, interesting to see. We have to so get we, that on a shirt. We, can. That's we, uh, shirt we, buy. we have, uh, we've got two more topics. Both were sent in by Taylor. We probably have enough time for one. So Taylor, I'm going to do a first and let you pick which one we go. Do we talk about the article you sent about the every company launching the first ever protein boosted hard juice, which that is a mouthful, um, or TikTok kind of chasing Amazon through US fulfillment centers? I like TikTok if that works. I think the TikTok thing is interesting. Can I, can I say one thing about the hard Do juice? Do it. <laughs> oh yeah, go yeah, explain. I was like looking at it. Right. I was like, what the right. heck? I just, I just, want to, I just want to read this to people. Uh, build and i'm the reason i'm yelling is because it's all in caps it's all in caps by pulp pulp culture plus is the (laughs) first protein boosted hard juice a hyper functional full spectrum trademark beverage enhanced by beneficial probiotics adaptogens source verified superfruits and superfoods and animal free animal free every protein tm so they hit you with like one plus sign, multiple fully capitalized words, two trademarked words, and like enough, like enough like buzzwords to win CPG bingo within like the first five minutes of the game. Um, and so I just, I, I, that's impressive. That that, that like I, I feel like someone just threw a bunch of things into Boggle. And I, I, like if it were April first, I would be very, I would be skeptical this was real. <laughs> it was, uh, it was like a Jack Oak piece of uh, a copy that was generated for sure. Yeah, it's very intense. Um, awesome. Um, yeah, it was like, you know, just my thing. I was like, we talked about like animal free dairy milk, like being a mouthful, like protein packed, like plant based juice, like boosted. Plus, it was a lot for sure. <laughs> but we'll, I'll put. The- <laughs> Not to mention that a great deal of money has been spent. To, to, to make the consumer believe that hard means has alcohol, not has protein. Yeah, like just like I honestly, like it took me a while to figure out that it wasn't. So it, it's very, uh, it's very interesting that play. Um, all right, let's, so let's, let's, uh, we'll go quick on this one. Um, so TikTok chasing Amazon with plans for US fulfillment centers. TikTok's going all in on e-com, um, basically kind of shoppable um, TikTok and being able to fulfill those orders through their own um, fulfillment centers really genius idea. Uh, I think we saw Instagram try to do this, um, but I don't think that they tried to ever own their own fulfillment centers. I think that's the big difference here. Uh, Taylor, you sent this over, so I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Yeah, I just, I think it's really interesting. I just feel like um, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think, I don't know the numbers offhand, but like the sheer amount of people that now under, you know, the age of 30 say that they consume their news through TikTok and that's their like, quote unquote, like Google search engine of certs. Um, to me, it's just like, if it could become more of a one-stop shop, if it, like you, we know the numbers around like engagement on that platform, myself included from a passive perspective. 
Um, but a lot of it is selling brands, selling content, right? Selling products and offerings and services. So I, I feel it's like the next step for TikTok is being able to like develop warehouses and actually like, take things because like a lot of the stuff that's being sold or in a lot of the music, like all the music on the charts comes from TikTok. Um, a lot of the things that are trending when it comes to clothing and products and stuff come from things that are happening on TikTok. So to me, it feels like an organic next step because you already have the audience, you have their engagement, you have their interest in these influencers that are most of the time pitching products, selling endorsements, whatever. Um, why not? add the layer of e-commerce to it. I mean, to me, it seems like a really natural transition. And I personally will definitely be purchasing things through TikTok. Again, you will not find me doing, I made one TikTok. Hopefully none of you have watched it. It's me walking uphill on a treadmill. And somehow I have had 300 views and now I have like 150 followers. So look, if I actually put time into this, there's a chance, but I am on, that's my, you know, 20 minutes a day of, you know, just looking at what people are making food, you know, different recipes and what they're wearing. And it feels like such an organic next step for them. And I, I will be definitely leveraging that tool. So we talked about like Instagram shop a few weeks ago. I'm like, I never bought anything. Who knows? I may not, you know what I mean? Like, we'll see what ends up happening, but I see that I could see there being a good amount of conversion from people that follow these people that engage on the platform to purchasing. I don't know. It's just yeah. my thoughts. I mean, if the creator economy is going to get to where it is, like me being able to set up like a TikTok, like make it uh, about my niche and then be able to have a fulfillment center where I can then build a product around like my content and then be able to get it out to my followers. Like, you know, that's, that's a really seamless process, right? As, as long as like TikTok makes it really easy and it's a, it's a clear pathway to more revenue for the creators. So I think if you're empowering the people on your platform to make more money um, in a similar way that YouTube has continuously done that over the last 10 years, like you're going to be in a winning spot. So I think it's really good. CJ, do you want to have the, the last word here? Yeah, sorry. I thought I was on mute. Um, I think that it makes sense. I think that I'll probably end up buying some stuff. I think that building fulfillment centers is really hard. Um, so I'm curious, I'm curious who they are going to end up partnering with, like to kind of figure this out. Like, is this how like Ohi maybe like like you know comes into its own? Is this is this how like you know, we 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 read all these kind of scare pieces that Amazon was like letting go of a bunch of its um, its square footage um you know in this year because they, they kind of overbuilt like is this where it all goes um it's it's really really interesting how they because like, i guess the other alternative would have been a partnership with amazon um to do yeah that. yeah and, and like yeah. which is obviously like i mean amazon's trying to be a black hole and suck this all all in and and have there be like no viable alternative other than a partnership with amazon um similar to kind of how we talked about the liquid death thing when, uh, the way they partnered with them so I'm, I'm just so i'm always so fascinated to like when, when a company makes a bet like this where like hey if you know you're selling stuff and you're selling of enough of it you can get a, a, a good deal from amazon you know it you won't fail in fulfillment um obviously there's a lot more revenue to be made by doing the fulfillment yourself but that like is also super super risky so like just like that decision criteria always fascinates me yeah and and just to wrap like so i was uh, i didn't know if it was like a full topic but like amazon 
yesterday, I believe, announced that since you brought it up, CJ, that they're going to have next year a Black Friday NFL game on their streaming platform. Like, you want to talk about the ultimate, like, hack to get people shopping less at their competition and staying home and then shopping at Amazon. Putting a game on on Black Friday and then funneling those customers into Amazon is, like, such an insane hack. Like, it's just so cool to see, like, where retail wars are getting and how people are going to start using their platforms better, like how, how Walmart's using their ad platform and everything like that. But like, I just thought like hosting an NFL game on Black Friday to keep consumers inside to then shop and online is just an amazing, amazing. I mean, like, I mean, I'm, I'm used to like, hey, we're running a special on Tito's as a loss leader to get people uh-huh. to go to wine. Not we bought the NFL so that you won't go to the mall. Yeah, and like you, they should definitely just like run ads in game and like like different offers like in the game that you can like go and redeem and like you got like Al Michaels like pushing products and stuff like there's it's just so much cool stuff but uh, yeah that's it uh, awesome episode uh, this week again we will be back with weekly episodes we got some awesome guests uh, coming up and uh, we will see you next week.